Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Call. Got a pretty interesting and unique episode here for you this morning that's, I would say, more casual than all of our other episodes. Uh, John and I discovered that we have a mutual interest and fascination for trains. Yes, like locomotive trains. So definitely took a bit of a, a weird turn early on, but we did definitely recover in the sake of being an interesting podcast. Uh, but 20 minutes in, gets real, gets real spicy. We get into some reflections and also, you know, where we think, not to get too political, but the impacts of some political decisions that have been made on small businesses in the past year and a half, as there's been an upcoming election announced. So really just a casual conversation between three people, a lot less business oriented, I would say this time around. So interested to hear what you guys think about this one. So don't be shy to hit us up on Instagram for feedback uh, at the weekly call pod on Instagram uh, is where you can find us the easiest. So uh, just sit back, relax and enjoy this episode of the weekly call. So we can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. We can think about our problems and turn on those chemicals. That means then our thoughts could make us sick. So if it's possible that our thoughts could make us sick, is it possible then our thoughts could make us well? The answer is absolutely yes. You're listening to the Weekly Call Podcast with Austin, Amor, and John. Welcome. It's enormously important that you do have the right friends. If they make you a better person than you otherwise would be, that's the ultimate gift. It deals for the most part with success. It deals with people who you started your life off with and what success does to them. People look at you strange saying you changed, like you worked that hard to stay the same, like you're doing all this for a reason. Remind yourself, this fight that you're in, this is what will make you stronger. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Call. Um, I don't know if there's any train fans out there, but John and I were just talking about trains and we found out that we both really like trains. Now, I understand if we have any listeners, <laughs> might have just pressed stop in next episode right away, but John and I <clears throat> did not realize we both had this, um, I guess, a hobby. I wouldn't call it a hobby, but like interest. I'm a hundred percent. I'm a hundred percent going to be that guy where like, I, like, you know, pending I'm wealthy enough, I'm going to have like, like a 3000 square foot, like warehouse with just model trains. <laughs> like I'm a hundred percent. Okay, So guy. I'm not going to be that guy, but I will definitely be the guy that comes to visit that warehouse because that would be absolutely insane. No, like um, I'm talking like, I wouldn't even be the one building it. Cause I'm not interested in that. Like I'm not a model guy, but like, I would like have people on retainer to like, like maintain like this, like this train set. And like so make it weird winter in the world. Amber so actually weird. just, like, have you ever seen, what happened uh, to just like in basketball fox catcher <laughs> and, and you know, race cars, right? Like have you ever seen fox catcher? Yes. Like yes. That's, great. Okay, I'm, I, I like, I mean like minus the murdering part, I would, I would want to be the John DuPont of like the railroad industry. Like I would like that have is, like, yeah. yeah. Yo, have you ever heard of, have you ever heard of the Wakefield steam train? Okay, cool. <laughs> Listen, man. I think you'd actually like this story. It was one of the only uh, passenger car steam trains left in Canada. And uh, it recently got washed out by a storm in 2011. And now it no longer exists. It was going between Chelsea and Wakefield. And uh, it was right in my hometown. I used to run next to it as a kid. It's like a huge, massive steam train. Anyway, I, I love trains. I don't know why. What's, I have no what's the story of it? Was that the um, story? 
well, the story is that it got wiped out like in my lifetime, which just kind of sucks because there's a bunch of people that it's like it was like a heritage train, a heritage Canada train. And it's like now it just got turned into like a community trail. They tore up all the tracks. It was going to cost like millions of dollars to fix because like the storm like washed out all the tracks and nobody wanted to fund fixing the train track. So they just got rid of the train. It was like everyone was so pissed or everyone was like really mm. pro the community trail that now runs like a from yeah. one city to the next. Um, yeah. But John, you would have liked to no. ride on this train, my friend. Um, no. Anyway, this is, this has been the arguably, no. if you're a train this person, is, this was the most interesting start to a tragic. podcast. If this is, uh, if, if you are not a train person, which you most likely are not, we thank you for, for powering through that. So. This is literally Trisha's life. Like we, anywhere we go, I'm always like wanting to go to the railroad museum. And for some reason, they're always closed whenever we show up. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't have trains in Jordan, so. Wow, that's interesting. I guess there is no trains in Jordan. Well, not in Jordan, but very close to Jordan, there is. Yeah. Well, in Amman, I don't know. Yeah, we just take the bus, drive a car, you know, walk. No train. No like pain. John, look at this train. Oh my god. Like a huge steam engine train, you know, just oh, that's actually pretty sweet. And it, this, yeah, it would just go up and down and it would, it would, there were stretches of track that were like two inches from a river, you know? And yeah. like, it was just crazy how that land could support it. I don't know. I just, I always liked the idea of like, it's kind of just like a traveling missile and, and nobody yeah. seems to really care about the fact that if it just hit a rock, it would, it would like, or a bit more than a rock, but, uh, it would it would actually just it, funny story one i actually know a guy from chelsea who is my parents age so maybe he's like mid 50s now when he was a kid he was playing by the train track put a rock on the train track and derailed the train in like in like the early 70s oh but this must have been like a pretty weak train though because i mean that's not really a thing anymore like with a big diesel yeah possibly yeah, I mean that'd have to be a pretty weak ass train, like a like a like a narrow gauge, like yeah. Like, are you yeah. like a train nerd and you know everything about trains? No, I'm actually less of a train guy and more of a railroad like railroad guy. You okay, know what I mean? like, yeah, I, no, I, I I'm very like I'm very much into like the big uh, railroad guy. Yeah, yeah, big, very big railroad. Like I could, you know, like I could give you the history of almost it, like most railroads in in North America. Are you more interested in like the commerce that all, developed uh, as a correct, result of yeah. the railroad? Okay, yeah, so it has nothing yeah, to do yeah. with the trains themselves. No, I'm I'm less I'm less like the I'm less interested in the engineering side. See, more I'm, a, I'm more like of a it, train guy. You're more of a yeah. No, I'm guy. more in like how it shaped the founding. You know, basically the the uh, just in the expansion of of the American Midwest. Damn, and, this podcast I mean, off the oh, If you're if you're listening to this, you've you've been in a coma for almost twenty. Well, years. just to clarify, we're trying I mean, a new just, technique. <laughs> we don't know where this message will end up in your Hold dream, on. but I hope it works. Please no, wait, hold wake on. This up. Is, we miss you. <laughs> this is important, though. I mean, I mean, one of the one of the only reasons. I mean, I mean, this. You know, no one knows how history would play out in hindsight, but the reason why British Columbia is not a part of America is because the uh, you know the Canadian government at the time agreed to build a transcontinental railroad connecting the east and west uh, sides of Canada. And without that, I would be an American citizen right now, most likely. And you, we wouldn't have this podcast. I'd be part of America. Right, like that was that was the whole. Damn! Was the whole gig, shout right? out to the railroads for having yeah, John on right? his podcast. Yes, no, for sure though. Like that is, 
I didn't know that. I, I actually, like I said, I don't yeah. know any railroad history. I could tell you a little bit of train history. It's very minuscule, but the railroad history seems like something I would be interested in. Yeah, the Canadian Pacific Railway. Um, they, they built all the way across to... Um, uh, they Island. started out, yeah. They, they, I mean, and the Canadian National. The Canadian National was a was a, a government funded railroad, which is actually pretty quite common. Actually, um, there's there's a few notable government funded ones between but, 1881 and yeah. I think I think it was eight. I think it was 18 1881 was the was the, when the final spike was driven in like some buck ass no like middle of nowhere town. Um, yeah, and there's there's so many interesting stories there, right? But think about how late that was, because I mean, the uh, transcontinental in America, the last spike was like 19 or sorry, 1869, right? Was when that that final spike was driven. Is there a movie so, about the Canadian Pacific Railway history? Mm, probably not. No. Hmm. Hey, look, nobody's gonna blame you if you want to pl- click shuffle and listen to some music right now. Like, <laughs> it's totally fine if you want to click off of this. Like, yeah, I just know. turn on another episode know. of the weekly call. I, mean, I, I, I give you full permission. I mean, it's like yeah, this yeah. I don't know no. what's going on. Where did this train obsession? No, where, never mind. No more where, trains. Where, uh, like, how did it get to the point where you were like interested in in the develop like the intersection of railway and business? Like that that seems to be quite strange because like if you're not a train guy, why railway? Well, where did where where did my fascination start? Well, m- most of my fascination uh, started with with railroads because I was reading about um, uh, John D. Rockefeller. Right. I remember you actually talking about him like a lot last year. Yeah, I was reading. I was reading. Um, I read a lot about John D. Rockefeller. Then I read about J.P. Morgan. And you can't read about those two and not read about the railroads because you know they. I mean, they were so well integrated. I mean, J.P. Morgan. Uh, his investment group, like they, they owned a ton of railroads, like the New York central, things like that. And then there was actually like a lot of like political things that, that arise from that as well. Um, I'm going to gloss over a huge chunk of history, but at one point in time, there was a, um, I think it was called the Northern Securities Trust. And this would have been in like, just before the turning of the uh, 20th century. So this would be like 18, whatever. 1890 something and this is actually a huge turning point in 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 business and it it actually has to this is a turning point in where i i think that we started going let's say less free okay especially like uh taking with the freedoms of of their citizens and especially of businesses and in the northern security trust essentially what happened was there was a bunch of railroads and uh they did you know they were competing against one another and they basically said look at Rather than competing against one another, there was the kind of the two heads. There was J.P. Morgan, and then there was E.H. Harriman. Okay, and these were the two leading sort of railroad barons at the time. Um, and they decided to start this trust. And so E.H. Harriman took uh, the Union Pacific and, and among his other railroads, and they put uh, put the shares in trust with this, which is now called a holding company. By the way, that this is before holding companies. So effectively, that's all this was. Shout out Aurelius so Holdings. Yeah, so they put they put their shares in trust, and so did J.P. Morgan with uh, theirs, and they they had like the New York Central and a couple other railroads. Anyway, point being, it was effectively a monopoly, okay, on railroads. And uh, Theodore Roosevelt came in, and basically he was a trust buster, and he came in and started breaking up all of these these so called monopolies, right? Believing that they weren't good for society, right? And that you know the people that had acquired the wealth and the reason why they were at the you know at the helms of these businesses, that he called them malefactors of of wealth, you know, the people that had acquired in dirty trickery ways. 
and he didn't feel like people should be that rich and he didn't feel that it was good for society to have monopolies which and then so then that's when um standard oil uh was broken apart um around this time they, they were handed out serious fines and so teddy roosevelt basically he was he was called he was he was known as the trust buster so he started breaking up all these monopolies the the so he broke up the steel monopoly which was U.S. Steel, which uh, J.P. Morgan also was alongside, because J.P. Morgan's was like you know the the, the number one banker at the time, um, and uh, they they the U.S. Steel had had bought like Bethlehem Steel, and they bought um, uh, I forget though I forget the name of it, Andrew Andrew Carnegie. They bought his his mill. I think it was doesn't really make a difference what it was called. I think it was called Homestead. Either way. And uh, which is which is actually made Andrew Carnegie the richest man in America at the time because they bought it for like four hundred like four hundred million dollars cash, which at the time was like some like astronomical number, right? Like like as in like I, I mean, the, the, the the scene where like where that happened was like Andrew's like the like JP's like approached him and basically said hey like we're interested in buying your business and Andrew's like for four hundred million dollars I would sell it right like thinking that was some ridiculous number and they're like done sweet. Right, like took like took him out on the on the crosshair his his yacht and was like, yeah, it's a done deal. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Would you be interested in like doing a tour of like the Canadian Rockies Railroad? Yeah, like uh, Trish and I had talked about how like if we can't because due to COVID, I don't know if we're gonna be able to like do as much traveling this year. Yeah. So I, I would just definitely like think about doing a like a like a like a railroad tour because it'd be amazing. The Rocky Mountaineer. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we, we, when we were in like when we were in Revelstoke with Tristan and them, that's that's where that punches through. Yeah. Like, man, imagine going on a on a train with cars like this. Like, yeah, uh, that's super epic. Yeah, we saw that actually when we were in Revelstoke. We saw that. Every side. We saw that ride by. Yeah, interesting enough, um, the number one shareholder in Canadian National Railroad is Bill Gates. No way. And the sixth largest is his wife. Because they got ex-wife. Ex-wife, yeah, sorry. This is this is uh you guys ever heard of ASDF comics? Warren Buffett no. actually owns a railroad, BNSF, Burlington Northern Santa Fe. Well No, we haven't ever. So this is when you guys are talking, this is all I can think about. You ready? This is all I can okay. think about. Oh, come on. Dancing. I like dancing. I like trains. <laughs> this is all. <laughs> That's all I can think about. That is insane. Yo, that video actually reminded me of this game. Oh, by I, the way, I cannot remember the name of Cat Dog is creating a game, Austin. There's a new game coming out called Cat Dog. Shut it down. Where am I? Yo, you know how many messages I got about people going, Yo, Austin, I'm on your side. I know Cat Dog. People know the show. They're making and a game. And I, just out of spite for you both, will play the game. Just so you know. <laughs> you should live stream it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should get a Twitch account. <laughs> in the weekly call. <laughs> Dude, I would, I would be there. That's hilarious. Oh, man. Cat Dog, the video game? Or like mm -hmm. the computer game? Are they going to make it for like consoles and stuff? Cat um, Dog, video game. Yeah, but yo, okay, uh, John. Here's a question: With this all, like all this train stuff, like just can you just kind of condense it? Like, why should I actually care about trains? And well, and what happened why, with the railroad? Why should you care about the history of trains, or why should you care about trains in a, in like in modern day society? 
No, like the history of trains and train, you know, billionaires and millionaires and, and the train industry. I mean, obviously, you're not going to waste your time learning about trains. Like, what, like maybe I'm seeing, not seeing something you guys are saying. Why should I so, care about this? This is something that I think effectively is like, it's just one of those things where the moment you stand next to a train, like, no, like no, no. right next to one, okay. I, I'm, sure. hold on, just wait. The moment you stand next to one, you realize just how ridiculously impressive this would have been. Okay. You take someone like, like, like bring me, like, let me bring you back to like the 18, like thirties. Okay. You are a, uh, American, uh, frontiersman. Okay. Uh, even even someone living in a city. Okay. I mean, but like you pick some, like even like large, like a large city on the frontier was like 3000 people. Okay. So we're talking like a tiny, town. Okay, what, what's okay. my job? What am I doing? You m- most, most likely you're in some sort of resource extraction. Okay. I mean, America at the time, it was a you know, pretty basic economy. You were probably logging, farming, uh, or mining, those, okay. basically just those three industries. Okay. So forestry is in basically just resources. Okay. Which, I mean, most, I mean, that, that's what's my life secondary. Man? Uh, I think at the time it would have been, um, well, I don't know in America, I know that in London in the 1830s, the average life expectancy was 37, 30. Okay. So I'm only that was in London though. So I'm guessing, I'm guessing that on the frontier, it was probably equivalent, if not higher, because in London, obviously there's a lot of pollution, lots of disease at the time. Cause they didn't have like the, <laughs> the best healthcare, you know? And whatnot, but I'm, I'm I'm guessing it was probably you know because you get killed by Native Americans like that was a serious concern like 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 Abraham Lincoln for example he fought in the Black Hawk War like against like Black Hawk Native Americans right like like during this time Texas isn't even a part of America yet okay? oh, oh okay like we're talking about Mexico owns California New Mexico Arizona Nevada there's, and Texas like we're talking slavery, about right. Oh yeah, no yeah, 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 oh, yeah. yeah. Civil War was until the '60s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, like, we're, like, like we're 65. talking like most likely there's 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 Negroes like in, in your community that are slaves. Okay, mm-hmm. and you might even own one if you're if you're, you know, if if you were if you were well off. Okay, um, most likely uh, if you're uh, at like age 30, you've probably already had four kids. Okay, maybe five, two of them died in childbirth. Okay, if your wife isn't already dead from childbirth as well, you might have two or three kids, okay, that survived. One of them is probably close to dying from like some sort of fever. Okay, your wife and you are probably devoted, probably devoted, you know, like probably very religious. Okay, most likely, you know, yeah, maybe Catholic, depends on where you're, you know, depends how south or how north you are. Okay. But let's just assume somewhere like in like Midwest, okay? And you travel to get to any major city would take you like upwards of a month, okay? And it would be dangerous. Like we're talking like you like like going to New York would be like like a life or death event essentially. Like you would like to make it there would be like an ordeal. Oh, okay. And, and by the way, I believe in witchcraft, and the Salem witch trials happened thirty years later. Oh yeah, no, no. Like we're like oh, yeah, this we're is, talking oh, like wow. Okay, okay. This is no, no. Crazy. Hold on, just to, just to be careful. Like you, like you most likely know someone that was scalped. Scalped? Explain what is it? Like like a Native American killed them and cut off their head, like just cut off the top of their head. Okay. Oh, scalped. Oh. Yeah, like accidents happen. Like you get you break a leg. Like there's not a hospital. Okay, like this is before medical school. Oh, oh, this is like if I get an infection, I'm dead. 
or the this flu. Is, I'm just that. This yeah, is, pretty yeah, much. Like, 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 like this is like this is bef- this is like before Coca Cola. Like we're this is this is before uh, even medicine. Like this is this is yeah, really no gnarly. Sure. Okay. Coca-Cola. And all oh, of a wow. sudden, people are there start pistols? putting in. Yeah, there's pistols. Yeah, there's pistols. Okay. Yeah, I think around I think right around this time is when uh, um, the Remington family <laughs> came around. <laughs> Okay, this is crazy. Okay, so I, I, from eighteen zero zero to eighteen nine nine, I almost know nothing. Or oh I yeah, know like some things, still, but like, like I don't like know the where the richest they man, the richest man in the world right now, um, uh, would have been John Astor, I believe, and he, he made his money from pelts. Like we're talking like like fur trade is still very much alive. Oh, fur trade. Oh, the richest man in the world is John Astor. Okay, he died in the uh, Titanic, which I think was eighteen seventeen. So no, he'd be dead. Okay, okay. I might be getting the dates wrong here a little bit. I'm not much of a dates guy, but point being, okay, like, sure, I'm just sure, trying sure. To, okay, yeah, no, no, I got a good picture. Talking, now. I got we're a talking good muddy, murdy, like, we're talking about mosquitoes the size of like horse flies, okay, like, mm-hmm. so, like, like, like animals, like, you, you, like, you're right on the front, like, you know, you've got a forest in your left and right, like, you, you're like mm-hmm. on the verge of dying at any given day, okay? There's Crazy. one general store, maybe gets stocked once a month. Most of your transportation, if possible, is going to be on a river because it's quicker. Okay, but the perspective, like if you're like in Illinois, it's gonna it's like a three month trip to go to New Orleans. Okay, again, very treacherous. Okay, and someone comes to you, and they propose a fucking train. Like you have, you you might have maybe seen a steamship. Okay, so just oh think about God. how impressive a train would be to you. I mean. We're talking like if you stand next to a train, like I'll, 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 I'll we'll post a, the, the, the Instagram insane. capture for this one. The, yeah, the Instagram capture will be me next to a train. It's like I'm the happiest day of my life. It's me next to like this big, big locomotive. Okay, this is a coal, this is a coal train. Okay, like it's like 20 feet tall. Okay, like like there's like two story buildings would be like pretty like a three story buildings like pretty insane. Like two stories is like whoa. Okay, that's like you built two stories. Wow. Okay, like you're you know. <laughs> So like imagine this like this massive like you know eighty lo- foot long twenty foot like this is this is bigger than any house in the whole village okay and or in the town and th- and it's gonna pull just like like just tons and tons of weight like and it's gonna be built on these little like you know I mean at first it was wooden tracks right this is so beyond like you're gonna be able to get to like across America in eleven days like. Like, oh, this wow. is, you know, when Elon Musk, you know, when Elon Musk says like, okay, we're, we're, like, we're going to build tunnels, you know, that seems so ludicrous. This is even more ludicrous than that. Like, like the, the, the fact that like, like um, there were some Americans who didn't even think it was worthwhile to expand to the West. Like they was like, no, that's, a, that's why would you do that? That's stupid. Wow. Okay. Okay. The greatest entrepreneurs of the time, like, you know, like the tech people, you know, like how everyone like looks up to Silicon Valley. Yeah. That's the size of, of this thing. Oh yeah, no, and that's and that's a small, like that's a small train. So, mm. well, actually, no, that's a that's a very big one. <laughs> the caption <laughs> the is the world. biggest locomotive in the world. It might be, it that's might be small. by length. That's a fucking though. small. It might not be by height though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so uh, like okay. like, on, like like railroads are popping up everywhere. The same way that we're seeing electric cars pop up. I mean, it's it's the biggest entrepreneurial craze. I mean, you have railroads going every direction. It's mad. It's a mad dash. Everyone's trying to build railroads and sell shares. Like it's it's a total. It's like it's crazy. It's madness, right? And it's it's the most advanced technology, at the time. Like but like truly just mind blowing to you. Okay, the richest men in the world are all getting rich off railroads. Okay. 
it's just so far beyond anything. Like, whereas like what type of innovation has really like genuinely blown you away to the point that like, it, it like it's like 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 you like as in you would want to go down right now like like it used to be an event like when the train came through your town you like everyone would go down and be like oh hey, there's the train like everyone would go down and like see it mm. like, what like what like what right now in Cologne or Toronto is everyone like going to go see right now because they're so mo- mind blown by it well uh, nothing other than maybe the CN Ex- no Tower, but that's what I mean though like, there's nothing yeah. but there's nothing that like captures our imagination or the possibility of like wow like we're gonna conquer the rest well, of this space country. we're gonna explore space you know yeah yeah i agree that, that's pretty crazy but, no, but, but that's what i'm trying to say though that's on this level mm. like tra- like the original trains was on the same level as space exploration like that's how out there this was mm. like a transcontinental railroad was beyond the scope of anyone like there was like it was a crazy thought i'm sold Sounds interesting, but the reason yeah. why it's relevant to this day yeah. is that oh, it's yes, the yes. most environmentally friendly form of transportation available to us. Steam trains? No, or electric no, trains? No, no, diesel, diesel locomotives. Really? Yeah. Oh. Okay, so the distance between uh, Toronto and Sault Ste. Marie, mm-hmm. okay, it's about. 400 kilometers okay that think about how many gallons of gas like of of, well, of, of diesel um a truck would have to go through like a, like a, just a normal like it's the competing line sure. to transport just a single like maybe two car loads you know two um, sure. trailers full of goods to Sioux Sam just think yeah. about how much gas in your head okay no idea no idea how to even count no it no, no, just, just doesn't make a difference the exact numbers but just a lot of gas, okay, or a lot sure. of diesel. Sure. Okay. Now, how do they get there? Uh, they drive there. Yeah. On what? On wheels and road. Yeah. Okay. Who pays for the road? Uh, the city. Well, it depends, but on if it's in Toronto, it's a city. Yeah. Municip- but taxpayers, okay, in some way or another, taxpayers pay for the roads. Sure. So trucking companies go through tons of diesel. Okay. Not to mention the lifespan of the truck is relatively short. Okay. And they're subsidized by taxpayer dollars to drive on our roads. Mm-hmm. Now the same to move one, the, to move the same amount of goods, that same distance is one gallon of diesel in a train <laughs> per car, per load. Okay. So, so you, you think about it, like the efficiency is through the roof. There's effect, like very little, it's the most environmentally friendly by a long shot. I mean, compared to the two competing things, which would be um, uh, Plane. like, I mean, literally walking is like, like, is like more damaging to the environment, essentially. Okay. How? Because <laughs> oh, you're eating, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, um, but another thing too, is that railroads own their own track and their own land underneath yeah. it. And so they have to maintain so that we, oh, so we actually are benefit. Yeah. So we, uh, as taxpayers, we are not not liable at all for any damage done to them. Like that's all of them. That's their land, their tracks, they maintain it and they move it all. Extremely cost-effective, very environmentally friendly. And on top of it, uh, it, it's, it's a very, um, uh, just a very stable business model. And now get why you're interested in railway. Mm-hmm. Sorry, my cat is 
Anyway, I now get why you're interested in railway because it's a for-profit model of transportation. Isn't trucking the same? No, but I mean, like, there's there's a lot more skin in the game for a railway than for a trucking company because they don't own the roads that they're traveling on. Like, they don't. Oh, I see. The, I see. Like, man, the quality of service you're going to get from a company that owns every step of the company is going to be higher and extremely high paying jobs. Yeah. Like, like we invest in Sault Ste. Marie in real estate. Yeah. Like it's like double the national average the income there because it, because there's a huge railroad company there. You're joking. Yeah. It's a huge railroad town. That's crazy. I've only been on the TTC, like a subway. I think I've that's actually like right train. where Sault Ste. Marie is right. Whereas the Canadian national and Canadian Pacific both dip through and most likely the BNSF. But either way, um, high barrier to entry. Okay, I mean, no one, no, you, you basically can't start another railroad. No one's going to build one. They essentially have a duopoly. So most most towns will have at least two railroads that uh, railroad companies that operate through there. And there's only there's only like I think six class one railroads. These are like large railroads. There's BNSF. There's CSX. There's Union Pacific. Uh, Canadian Pacific, Canadian National, and uh, Kansas City Southern, which is going to be merging most likely with Canadian National, which will then be the first, the only railroad in North America that can go Canada, America, and to Mexico. Mexico's nationalized its own railroads, but then Kansas City Southern has the rights down there. Hmm. Cool. <laughs> I don't know what to say <laughs> other than that. I mean, so, Amr, before we cool. move on, I want to be very, very clear here. Have we convinced you that railways and trains are interesting? It was interesting. Well, hold on. Yes, <laughs> that that, convers- <laughs> that conversation was interesting. Okay, okay. But I've reached a stopping point yeah. as to say... Where I'm like, what more interesting things yeah, can you yeah, use? Yeah. I feel like you <clears> well, the to... stories are epic. I mean, there's so many business lessons to you know to oh, to God. be learned within the industry. I mean, even just the one about E.H. Harriman, like I, I, if you were on my highlight list, you would have got this story, where, you know, he. He, oh, just by bolts. looking at the track yeah he realized the yeah. bolts were like a quarter inch and he's like if we if so like and there's like one bolt like every three feet and he's like if you multiply that by a, he's like just by shaving that quarter inch down we'll save like you know hundreds of thousands of dollars in like iron mm-hmm. you know just realizing like the the scale of of you know that not bad like even it, like like my business for example if we go through one extra gallon on every single job it's 20 grand in the year Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. But realizing the importance of small things that seem insignificant, right? Yeah. One extra gallon per job, 20 grand. It's not that mind blowing Austin. It really is. (laughs) No, I'm just trying to figure out how many jobs. A lot of money though. It is. No, no. I'm (laughs) saying like, like I would say on one out of every, six jobs i would say there's an extra gallon seven maybe here's a question here's a question austin how was your week because a lot has happened this past week oh man i feel Um, like there's some interesting stories there well first of all as well as well (laughs) yeah well first of all i turned 25 
<laughs> yeah, there exactly. Uh, I'm now a quarter century old. I think, Happy John, birthday, are you brother. are you 25? I am 25. Okay. Okay, so I'm the second person, yeah. halfway to 50. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah, yeah. John, we're gonna find out in like a year or two that John's actually 39. Um, no, I think that uh, my birthday was really interesting, and it was the first time. My birthday's always been around end of year banquet and our trip to annual trip to Mexico, um, which of course isn't happening until much later. But my birthday has never landed on the same evening as the student works end of year banquet. Banquet. So. Yeah. First time for that in four years. And uh, well, it was just a really fun time to be gathered with a lot of people that I really care about <clears throat> on my team. And and obviously I had a few friends that I'm really close with that aren't obviously with student works that weren't able, I wasn't able to be with on my birthday, but it was really cool for once to not even really have that option, right? Like I'm, I, I, I was just with people that I coach and work with and run a business with and Miranda, who I used to do all of that with and is now, uh, you know, doing her, who was a real estate agent, but she was there as my, as my plus one for banquet. Right. And so it was really cool just to have more of your professional and coaching network, I guess, and student works network or whatever you do for a living network with you on your birthday evening, celebrating the entire year. And also having that evening be your birthday. It was such a cool experience. So had a lot of fun and uh, ended up making a, a two-day trip out of it in Montreal. And it was all midweek, right? It was like Wednesday, Thursday. So this was really interesting because it challenged Mark and I, but mainly Mark and Mark absolutely killed it. That like production was running completely smoothly with us not being in the same city for two full days and still just not skipping a beat. And that felt like more of an accomplishment than, mm-hmm. you know, like, Amber, you said something two years ago that I've never forgotten. It's, uh, you know, there was something inside you, maybe it was three years ago, that you said something deep down inside. It just made me think that this might have all been luck. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, how do I know this wasn't just one big, <laughs> chance of fluke yeah Yeah, yeah. fluke and when you do stuff like that like when you literally you and the one person that run your business go to a different city and just like have fun for two days and nothing skips a beat and like people that you've enrolled in coach (laughs) and they they just nothing changes you're like oh okay i'm confident that this hasn't been a fluke up until this point right so, and also just the authentic conversations I got to have with people because I'm not coming back to student works next year. Right. And there are people that I would have kept coaching, like over half of my team is signing back to run a business next year. And it's like, they're coming oh. back to not have me as their coach. There's a lot of like, Hey, mm. that's going to be I, interesting actually to see yeah. their, their, their performance. Yeah. I what think happens that, to it. Yeah. And it was just really, I don't know. I felt really, uh, really grateful, really, I don't know. I felt really acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Like there were some things that people said to me that I, you know, it almost brought me to tears. Like I was like, I can't believe this is, you know, I've had had the chance to work with these people and help them develop over the past eight months. And it was, it was such a, it was such a, obviously there were overwhelming all- opportunity. Even obviously like there were a lot of amazing comments which one stands out to you the most with something said someone don't name don't name them if you don't want to but obviously there's a lot of amazing things that were said and it's impossible to rank 
but which one stands out to you that made mm. you maybe, you know, pretty mm. emotional, made you see something in a different perspective? Yeah. One, one person on my team who I've been working with for a long time just said, you know, like, um, like we were just having a, a, a regular conversation and it kind of took a bit of a natural pause and they were like, Hey, you know, I just wanted to say thanks for everything. And I just, I it didn't even really occur to me that they were speaking about our entire time working together. I was like, what oh, do you mean? It's like one of those movie moments, you know, kind of. And yeah. it was like, what do you mean? And they were like, well, I, I really don't think that without working with you in the past number of years that I would be where I am. And I wouldn't have changed it for anything. And there's, this is this person telling me this. They said, I remember when I heard you talking on one of your podcasts or in a conversation saying your goal is to be retired by 30 so that you can spend as much time as you can with your kids. And I think that what you're doing gets you there. And it's also become one of my goals because I can see that that is really important to you, that you really want to like keep building networks that are really close to you and, and that you really value your relationships and being coached by you really helped me realize the importance of that. And now that's one of my goals is to, is to be retired by 30 so that I can be so close with my kids, just like you want to. And, uh, and he said, and then they were like, and I think you're going to be a really good dad. And I was like, what? Like, you know, and that, that almost made me cry. Yeah, I, like, I was like, wow, there it is. That wins. Like, that wins. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't, damn i was like that that is probably one of the one of the most heartfelt things anyone's ever said to me so that was uh that was really awesome and and also just to know that obviously you're on good terms and friends with people that you're working with from a coaching relationship but like sometimes you just do not understand the impact that a relationship can have on someone both ways like i would say that there's been an equal amount of impact on either end of that like both for them and for me and it really made me reflect on the impact that I've gotten from these people um, mm. that they've had on me is like, they've pushed me and challenged me and made me think about things in ways that I would never have ever thought about for me. Mm. One of the biggest privileges of being a coach and also running a business yourself in the same domain that you're coaching people in is that you are literally being forced to think about problems and situations and challenges and strategy a different way than you would ever, you would have ever thought about it. And the benefit of that is that, you're only one person. And if you're leading a business on your own, you might be really good at it, but it comes down to the age old saying that we always talk about is like, you don't know what you don't know. And so when you're being challenged by people and their problems and their challenges and their, you know, what, what helping them achieve their goals, you're forced to communicate to them in a way that you would have never tried to communicate with yourself or other people in your business, because it's totally, you know, it's, it's your commitment to help them improve you start, it feels like you kind of just start unlocking different ways of thinking of things in your own life. And, and that I, that's the one thing I'll take away from this entire experience um, that I don't think I, I could have gotten anywhere else. That's it. You know, like that, that, and, and that sounds really weird because how do you possibly audit that? How do you audit someone's way of thinking differently about something? Like, it sounds like super, I don't know, fluffy, but it, it, it really, <clears throat> I always think about things that arise in my own business now in my own life. I'm like, how would the, you know, like I immediately think of people that I coach that would be really proficient and really inefficient at handling this. 
you know, and it's, and, and I'm able to kind of draw a path for myself in terms of where I could possibly take this. And it, I don't know, I feel like it, it lays out a good, really good mental map uh, of how to accomplish and, and, and develop yourself. So I, I don't know, I, the comments I received, it was just a really, it was my 25th birthday. It was an evening to celebrate everyone's year, but a way I was looking at it was like, this was my last banquet. This is my last everything. It was like a, it felt like um, it was acknowledgement for my entire time here. And yeah, I had been working with student work since I was 19. I'm turning 25. Like I've been here oh, for longer six than years, I was. Eh? Interesting. Yeah. Like I was a painter and for two years, production right? manager. Yeah. Painter, production manager, operator. Oh, I forgot that you were a painter. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. So man, how interesting is that? Wow. So yeah. anyway, I just felt very overwhelmed. I was like, this is, this is almost surreal. Like it had all hit me in a wave. I had everybody there that I had worked with. Uh, I had my partner there. I had my coach, like, I don't know. It was just, it was, it was a night to remember for the rest of my life. I just, I'm just starting to realize actually just, this is hitting me just sort of now is, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. Cause like, this is it. Like, this is, this is like, <laughs> you're, you're like, you're moving on to another thing. Literally. Yeah. This is it. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, because I, um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, because like, next, like, because this is the last week of the summer, really, and then mo- everyone's shutting down their business. Well, I right? mean, I'm going to run my business until December, but my responsibilities yeah, as yeah. a DM yeah, end yeah, yeah. In, in September, like they end in two weeks, and then I'm oh, literally with starting. Something's ending though. Something's no, no, no. ending, right? Yeah. No, no, I know. And then I, but I, it's really funny the way it works out, right? Is because my my franchisee training with Rydell starts the week after my last operator finishes production. And that's just kind of by chance. Like one of my operators could have been going until like October or November or something, but like weird how this stuff lines up, you know? So interesting. So it's probably a time of like, I imagine that there's some, some level of just automatic reflection that you have. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, there's something to be said about, uh, like the reflection I kind of already described in terms of what I really got from being a coach. And yeah, yeah. what I got from my experience with student works, that takeaway, I mean, of course you could talk about like the ability to market and the ability to sell and the ability to hire and all this stuff that you can learn anywhere sure, else. Sure. But like that, <clears throat> that value, and I shouldn't say learn anywhere else. I mean, I don't think you can learn the way to do it that way anywhere else, but um, I, I think the, the thing that's most I, I don't know. I feel like it would be most shocking to most people outside of a, a, a role like this is that the amount of difference that you can have on someone's life and that someone can have on your life in a seven month period. Like sometimes you forget that like this has been January 15th to August 15th. I guess it's eight months, eight month period. Yeah, it's interesting how it, 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 yeah, each season, yeah. Like you can each boil it down to like us. how many meetings you've had with each of your operators, how much in, interaction you've had. It's like that much was really accomplished across like, you know, 48, 30 minute meetings. And yeah, well, if you look at the actual time spent, it's even more impressive because you're looking at a seven month, but if you look at, you know, th- you know, 30 minutes a day over seven months, you know, whatever, right? Yeah, well, 30 minute once a week meetings and then team team meetings and then infield training, infield coaching, infield everything. It's like, man, boil it down to just that time. And it's like, what could I, what if I was just like, if I 
if I didn't end up attending that interview to be a painter in first year university uh, six years ago, what would I be doing with that time this year in that situation? You know, like I would, I would like to think that the time spent per, per hour was like the, the high, I would argue probably some of the highest return I could have gotten for my age and my, and where I, like, I, that's just what I feel the most grateful for. And obviously there, there are things I'm unaware of that could have been different, but I just, I had an overwhelming feeling of gratitude that I have never felt before. So that was, that was really, uh, that was a huge moment and week for me. And I just kind of took it as an opportunity to celebrate and, uh, also get really excited for what's next. Cause the bar has been set high, you know, like how, how am I going to be able to go recreate this? I guess for you, John, like <clears throat> that feeling isn't there because you're not like, you haven't like, I guess you have left, but how does that resonate with you based on where you're at? Yeah. Like th this year out of all my years feels the like, definitely feels the, like, a lot different than previous years. Like how I felt this time of the year. Like it, yeah. I don't feel like I'm ending anything. Like my seasonal yeah. staff are leaving, which is, you know, um, like I had, like, you know, I had to say goodbye to like a lot of employees and, you know, be, be, because they're going back to school or, you know, like I had one, like one of my favorite employees, um, he's moving back to Calgary, um, to go back to school. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just, it's, it's, um, it kind of just hit me actually just like, even just like this last, like this weekend, really that, that like, I, um, like, I never had really like, cause I hadn't, cause I don't get, I don't see my employees that often. And it was, I don't know if you had this too, but it was kind of sad because like, I don't remember necessarily like, like at some point in time I saw Aaron for the last time, uh. but I didn't, but I like, when, but I, when I saw him for the last time, I didn't really like, you know, cause it wasn't like a, I don't know. I, I, I wish that I had, a, I, I, I wish that I had done a closeout meeting with some of my guys. I didn't. And, um, I'm just, it, you can just, still it, do it. It realized me. You can no, still I, do I, it. I'm definitely, no, I'm definitely going to call like, um, yeah, there's yeah, no yeah, yeah, yeah. call and have a conversation to be like, Hey, thank you. Right. Mm -hmm. And whatnot. But, but, um, I, I feel like I was just so wrapped up in, in life and work that it, it, it occurred to me that I just had like a bunch of like people that I had been working with for multiple years that are no longer going to be working with me and I, I like i wasn't even there like to say i don't know it was just weird like it was i don't know there's this quote from the office which is like i wish i knew uh, uh i'm I was thinking about old, that right now i wish i knew i was in the good old days before it was like too late you know it's like when you were when they were the good old days yeah. Like, I, and, and yeah, well, you know, and, and that's another thing too, that was going to get me all tripped up even, even recently was that like, um, like, did you guys feel like you got so, uh, like this year, like this summer in particular for me has like, like I, I Austin, I don't know if you can relate to this, but like, I almost forgot to have fun like during, like during the year. So John, I will tell you, my friend, that 
when I managed production for those two weeks in the first two weeks of August, when Mark was having his son, I had realized that I had literally not taken more than 12 hours off. Like, and I don't mean off. I just mean like I hadn't actually done a thing elsewhere. <laughs> oh no. I'm not even talking like fun is in like going on some trip or something that I did tons of. Okay. So yeah. What were you saying? I went on, like, I mean, I, I, I mean, I didn't even like, I barely worked weekends this summer. I like, you know, I was like most, like, okay. most days I was off work at noon. Amazing. Like some days I, I like, I, you know, like, like I, I worked so what was your original? Like, I worked very yeah. efficiently. Like, you know, like I would say that like, I probably got done, like, I mean, I'd start early and I, I probably got as much done as most people would get done in like a, you know, like, like I was very efficient, like when I was mm-hmm. doing things, right. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, booked hundreds of thousands of dollars this summer, but I did it in a very casual manner, very, you know, very calm and just for sure. So no, I, I, Trish and I got tons of biking in like, you know, no, I'm, I'm talking about like, I feel like I forgot to like, actually like pay attention when I was working. Oh, the journey. Like it literally, it literally hit me that I had like, I don't know. Like it, like it hit me the other day that like, like I looked at like where I was at in my business. And I'm like, Oh, didn't, didn't feel like that. I, I guess I, I do definitely feel you on that regard because I haven't appreciate, I don't think I've appreciated so far what, um, wait, what do you mean? Didn't I, feel like that. Sorry. I'm sorry for interrupting, well, but yeah. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, John, but like if I looked at my, last year compared to this year, just in terms of performance and, you know, revenue and scale and all these things, um, where I'm, where I'm produced at right now is over a, like, it's like 30% more than my biggest year ever ending December 1st right now. And as a, as a, as a coach, it's like six X what I've ever done right now. You know, it's like, and, and then where was that? Like, it feels like the, the, the proof or the experience was in the smaller experience and then understanding what it took to take it to the, the next level was actually just more of a going through the, the motion. Is that what you're saying, John? There was less. Yeah. Uh, like I, I feel like a, a lot this year, I just feel like I took, took for granted that there would be more to come. And that hmm. I didn't necessarily like, 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 for example, like I, I, I feel like there's so many things I did this year that were just, that are just so second nature that I was more or less on autopilot, like do like, like doing a quote, for example. And like, it's like, I've done 2000 of these things. And so it's like, like, I know exactly what to say when this person says that I know the exact pitch. Like, I know, like, 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 you know, here's how you explain this product. Here's how you pitch this, how you, here, yeah. you know, you're like, unconsciously competent. Yeah. And, and then, but like, I feel like I almost like woke up and went, and it was like, Oh, like I just did all of that. Like, I almost feel like I, like I, like I, I, I like I slept walk or sleepwalk or yeah. Slept, slept walk. Is that even a thing? I was sleepwalking through so much. Yeah. I was sleepwalking through so much of this, this year. Where, like, why why is that a bad things. thing? No, I, I wasn't pitching as oh, a bad thing. Oh, got it. Okay. No, no. I, I, I said there was no good or bad. Uh, oh, got it. I just sense. I was. Yeah, I got it. Well, I sound no, less, there, there, sense there, like there, regret. Not regret. There's a bit of sorrowness, 
yes. in that, yeah, there, there's a bit of soreness in that, uh, soreness. Um, and I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I, I could maybe try and explain why, why it feels that way, but, but yeah, nonetheless, that, that's the sense. Explain. Well, I, well, I, I want to know. Hmm. Give me like a second. Sure. Well, I suppose that um, I feel like there were so many times where uh, I was maybe doing like, like, like even booking work, for example, wasn't like an exciting thing because I was just booking another job. Like, I, I, like, like I'm just adding on to the, like, like getting to a million dollars is such a marathon like it's almost like a similar experience when I actually ran a, like a real marathon in real life. By the end of it, I'm just like another step, you know, one step, two step. You know, like you're just you're there, right? Like it's it's exciting for the first half, you know, because you're you know you're like you're so you're still energetic, and then you're not that I'm tired or anything right now. Um, like I'm actually extremely well rested, but there's just like a like a sense of like. I wish I had paid it more attention along the way. Like I don't like I, when I look back, I can't really remember as much as like as I, as I did previous years. Like there wasn't like the, there wasn't like any like super dramatic moments or like any highlights that I can just like if you asked me like to describe my summer, I, I don't think I could tell you really what happened. And like or if you asked me like why I was successful, I could maybe kind of come up with a like a generic response, but I couldn't really tell you what I did. Like it, it was just it felt so unconscious. Is that, but why is there sorrow? Because you didn't enjoy it? Uh, here's maybe another way. It, it almost feels like I wasn't the one that actually did anything. Like, I feel like a disconnect between like, oh. like my past self and like, yeah. Because yeah. I wasn't con like, because I almost feel like I was unconscious during all of that. So like, you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't so know. I wanted to maybe chime in here. Um, because I definitely could see myself, John, feeling that exact or very similar way in my personal business because of my relationship with Mark, who I run my business with now. And I think that Mark and Jocelyn definitely have different roles, but I think they're more comparable. They have some comparables. Yeah, I feel like Jocelyn things. got to have all the fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, and I could see what you mean there. I think that if I were to look at my experience running my business, even because I'm literally doing half the revenue that you will do, I'm doing like 550, you will do 1.1, right? It's pretty much half. So if I were to double the size of my business, I don't think I would actually double the size of the value I would be getting out of my business. I think it was honestly to do with simultaneously working with other people to develop their businesses that I actually think, and I've told you this multiple times that you should do, whether that's with student works or not, I do think that that will actually help you check a box that has never been checked. Well, uh, I guess technically next year, I'm going to try and do that with Matt. That's My diagnosis is, is actually a bit different. Um, and, and, okay. I, and maybe I'm wrong. That's why I want to just run this. This is my hypothesis. My hypothesis is because the way that you're feeling 
is because one of the inherent needs that we have, because you say that you say the word fun a couple of times, you threw it in there a couple of times. And mm. my hypothesis is that, you know, one of our inherent needs as a human being is to have some sort of chaos, some sort of um, spontaneity, uncertainty. But because we're in this role as a business owner, where we actually need to minimize uncertainty and chaos, and we delegate uncertainty and chaos, and even meditate ourselves outside of uncertainty and chaos, the, the, the reward for it is we get revenue and we grow the business and we hit our goals. But the downside is it may not seem as fun. Totally. Well, is, that's is that accurate? It, yeah. Like, so like, I'm, I, I know exactly what I need to do to get the results, but it's, it's no, like it, it's, um, it's so routine and it's so standardized that like, yes, if, if I pay attention, I can, I can still derive a little bit of attention. Like I can still derive a bit of excitement out of it, but it's, it's, it's so this of this, of the same feeling, you know, um, and my, uh, yeah. So here consider this, cause I went through this train of thought in my first year and I felt the same sorrowness and the way I healed it, just consider this, maybe I'm wrong is by increasing your goal to allow for new opportunities where you can develop an, uh, that little bit of uncertainty. What do I mean by this? A sales manager. There's going to be so much uncertainty and you're going to be leveling up your business. You're going to have to go through new pains and it's no longer so morose and, and, you know, traditional to go and sell a job because you're no longer selling a job. You sold thousands of jobs. It's just like, you'll, you will continue to sell jobs, but it's, you need somebody to start to shadow you a bit. You want to maybe develop and standardize, create standard operating procedures on how to sell jobs within your painting business and then introduce a sales manager. That's going to, you know, that's going to be enough of a challenge. Um, you, this is actually like a scientific thing. It's like where fun lies. It's when a task is not too easy that it's boring or not too challenging that it's stressful. It's, it's in a nice like equilibrium between those two things where it's kind of challenging, not too boring, where it's fun. That's like where fun exists in your, like what you do in your day to day. So yeah, I'm not, I'll be honest. I'm not really that interested in, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I don't know if I want to train someone. Okay. Well, that, that's not very exciting to me, but like, I, I hear what you're saying though. I, 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 I agree with that the, may not be I, the I solution that, to train somebody, but there is no, a but I feel like my that. goal wasn't big enough this year. Yeah. Like that's part of yeah. That's the other thing. Yeah. Like, I don't like, I, I definitely feel like to get to where I, to get to where I am, I definitely don't feel like I had to exert myself that much. Yes. Like, not that it was like a walk in the park, but I did it very casually. Mm -hmm. Mm. It required, it required a lot of extreme discipline and a lot of focus for about four months, the beginning of the year in sales, but then it it was clock. It then required about, about a month and a half of extreme focus on the production side and then from there, it required like pretty light maintenance from that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it wasn't. So have you considered it, 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 that, it, yeah. have you considered that if it required, and, and this is strictly just to challenge the other side is, is if it required double that or even a third more of that, 
that that would have been your tipping point or that's what would, would have made it unsustainable. I don't know, but like, I, I'm jo- but Jocelyn and I both uh, had, had a unique experience this summer, like where we both, um, like, I think that the greatest challenge that her and I faced was more mental than it was anything else. Like, like just, of mm. just not feeling like great. Like how much was Jocelyn able to increase her income from the last year? Well, once she gets her bonus, um, I think that probably double, I don't know. Oh my God. I don't, I don't know the That's exact crazy. math. I mean, she's, she's definitely. But, so it's essentially, yeah. So it's kind of like Mark and I, it's a pretty, it's a pretty direct increase. Like it's like, it, it's well, she's also just worked a lot more as well. Yeah. Right. Okay. But I'm saying that like yeah. year over year, like her let's bonus say re- will be about 50% larger. Okay. Um, and her income naturally, cause we started earlier, she worked and longer. So even she though she a slight pay raise, even though she thinks, even though she agrees, sorry, that she worked harder and made more yeah. that there was more mental barrier than anything. Yeah. Well, Jocelyn, um, yeah, definitely. I mean, John, yeah. Jo- I mean, Jocelyn and I both have some like pretty, you know, pretty long mood swings and I think hers are a bit deeper than mine. Like, I don't think I go quite as deep as her, as she does, but you know, she, she definitely battled through some stuff this year and uh, which just kind of shows how much of a badass Jocelyn is because like, she, like, she managed in my opinion, the most stress, you know, cause I don't find sales stressful. I really don't like marketing and sales is not stressful. Like it's difficult. Like it's definitely like, you have to be precise. You have to like follow procedures and be very technical, but I don't find it stressful. Like I'm never like stressed during sales like it's actually i can I find completely almost, agree with that yeah yeah you know like so it's not like a it's stress inducing in thing. my opinion yeah if anything it's a little yeah like there's it's a little like sometimes you might be a little bit nervous here and there but it's um it's difficult like to do uh it, at an extreme level like when i like at the beginning of the year like when i had that 13 week stretch where i was booking like 60k a week like that was hard that was really really difficult the input okay. was hard not uh, the- it was yeah to, took a lot of discipline well, no 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 even no no doing like initial calls like it was like, there was a lot of um yeah i remember when we had that massive like, yeah no like there was a lot of like mental anguish that with was that, so right but there wasn't it was funny stress, to think that, right? that was this year by the way yeah oh i that know i do i know i know by the way i ended the year with 73 percent. i mean end of the year but dude it takes so long to actually that is insane yeah. what was your booking rate before that uh i think last year was 57 percent. yeah dude Unreal. Good for you. Effectively, I've booked about a million bucks right now. Okay. By the time this releases, I'll probably be at about yeah. a million bucks. And I've done about 50%. No, I last year did about 450 estimates. Right now, I've done about 330. Oh, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. So, way less estimates. And that's what I mean. Like, so think about that. Like, last year, they do 450 estimates. This year, I only do 330. Like, that's such a massive, like, that's 120 estimates right? Yeah. That's insane. That's a lot of fucking estimates. That's a big difference. Yeah, yeah. 120 yeah. estimates. Like that's, that's a lot. That's, that's a massive difference. That's like five full weeks of work, eight to four. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, we're talking a massive difference. Like that's a huge disparity there in time. Yeah. Crazy. Right. So that's a lot of, you know, so that's all effort I didn't have to put in Right. right. Like, so just by doing initial calls and putting that little bit extra work. But I think what you end. were saying is that Jocelyn has to go through that, like, or she was stressful or so stressed or something. That's where you were sound like. Oh were no, no, no. I was sorry. I was saying that. Well, well, at times. I mean, you know, we definitely didn't have nearly as many like 
we didn't really have any cat- uh, catastrophes this year, but no, what I'm saying is Jocelyn had to do the most stress, like her role, in my opinion, is way more stressful than mine, but she had the most stressful position. And she, I think she was like in a very difficult mental state this year and she pushed through it and like completely clutched out. So it was cool. like, you know, like, you know, like, you know, when Michael Jordan had the flu and he still like put up like 30 points or whatever it was. Like that's Jocelyn had like a, like basically had the flu and still put up 30 points. Like she like, Man. she crushed it this year, despite like, right. Which I think that, I mean, I can't, I don't want to put words in Jocelyn's mouth, but, but I think that she got a bit more confidence with herself that she's able to push through a lot of those mental barriers, which was really for cool. Sure. For sure. It was 38 yeah. points by the way. Yeah. Which is nuts. Yeah. The flu, right. The flu game. Yeah. Man, I'm, I'm really curious about next year and whether or not it will take the same or more effort to produce less results. I, I'm just wondering about the macroeconomics of the, the construction industry next year. Yeah, yeah. I'm super curious. I'm, I'm really, I'm heavily considering. I mean, for me, the only, the only, yeah, and, and it's completely, it's, it's for the most part out of my control, but the labor market will ultimately be the bottleneck on what my, like what my success is next year. Mm-hmm. yeah i i, I think, I think that you, you could pick any i think you could pick any number below two million and i think i could sell it and if you gave me you know a good labor market like if you gave me you know if i if i was able to hire up to 20 employees i could produce it mm-hmm. right so it's just a matter I'm, I'm actually heavily i'm going to make the decision the next month here i'm going to I'm, I'm heavily considering bringing in foreign workers like I'm, that's how concerned i am about about the labor market next year like i'm going to spend like tens of thousands of dollars fly these you know fly them in you know get them housing and 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 like because it's gonna it's it's gonna be really expensive like it's much cheaper to hire canadians like just from a logistical standpoint Hmm. um i tried that uh i tried that and I remember I would go, I have to pay those um, international cards where you have to call the number so you can call the guy. And he was like in Cuba, but it didn't, uh, didn't really pan out because he was missing some paperwork. No, I'm going through a consultant. Like, so like, oh, you, you're doing it you, super you, legit. Yeah. You pay like 2,500 bucks, like, you know, as a base fee. And then you pay $1,500 for every person you hire. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you, there's all these different things, but like I did the math and it's, it's a lot more expensive than hiring a Canadian. So it's only worth it if you can't get a Canadian, basically. Like I did the math it, it, with all of the overhead costs and as well as just the externalities and, and then you can't pay them piece rate. You have to pay them hourly. Okay. Um, so I did the math and it's like, they have to come out and have an average efficiency of at least a 1.25 to be at the same cost as a Canadian. Mm. Isn't that kind of a gamble, dude? It's a huge gamble. Why? That's, but like, why, why would you want to take that? Well, it's it's a hedge, in my opinion. It's a hedge against the Canadian labor market. Like by not bringing in five foreign workers, I'm basically saying that I'll be able to hire the Canadians I need, and I'm not confident you, you I'll think, be able to hire them. You think you you have six months between now and when you like really need like, between now and February? You have six months. You, you're telling me you can't find find five good Canadian employees. Well, no, I'm, I, no, no, I need to hire. No, no, no. From January to April of next year, I'll need to onboard somewhere around 12 to 15 staff members. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be January to, to April. You can start now. Uh, y- yes. But like most of that's gonna be for the exterior season. So that's why I say January to April. Cause 
they'll have to start in like I could start hiring university students for next summer. Like I could start putting in teasers and stuff, right? Like I'm I'm totally in agreement. But oh, typically God. speaking, you know, I'm hiring most of this for exterior painting, not interior. I already have all the interior painters I need. You don't think it's possible to hire exterior painters now for next year? It's possible. Um, I would imagine the attrition rate and how many people would actually follow through with delivering on that. Like how many people do you think you're going to hire in September or actually going to start? In... I have ads out. It's not like I'm not trying, but I'm mm -hmm. saying I'm not confident. Yeah. Got it. But my point being, I have to onboard 12 to 15 people starting in January until April. Like I have to, I, you know, there'll be the university students that, you know, are great because you can hire them as seasonal. And then there'll be a, a bunch of like full-time people I'm going to be hiring you know, around like March onwards. Right. Mm -hmm. But like in, in a normal year, no problem. This year was a complete disaster for recruiting. Like I spent more money than I've ever spent on recruiting. And I got like, how much did you spend? Of the, probably close to five grand, $5,000. Okay. Yeah. Probably close to $5,000 just on, just online, on online ads. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And, and, but, but, but take in mind though, I got like a 10th of the normal applicants that I get. Yeah. 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 So it wasn't like I spent, like I spent more and got like 10% of the results. Do you think um, the, cause I know there's an election coming up. Do you think the type of political party might affect how That's easy it is question. to hire people next year? That's a really yeah, good question. It's, it's not, it's not even remotely a question of, of course. Like significantly, course. there's going to be significant. Well, because Absolutely. I, I'm going to say, I'm going to agree with John here just because it's all about subsidization. A hundred percent. A 100%. It's not even, it's all not even at all for debate. I mean, it's, if you, if you decrease the supply of labor and in the demand for labor increases, it, you don't want to be, you don't want to be the one trying to hire labor. That's not, that's not like, like you go to any, you go to any restaurant or like hell when we were in Revelstoke, when we went to a, a one of the restaurants, we they didn't like we made a reservation like a couple of weeks in advance we show up to the restaurant and all there was was just a sign saying literally it's, it's like no staff sorry we had to close oh that's crazy man like almost every restaurant in Kelowna has a sign right now saying like effectively yeah. something along the lines of yeah. national labor shortage. I'll, I'll tell you this we, yeah because i have a good heartbeat on like the contracting industry from coast to coast and in the u.s and I, in one of my questions in the application of people who want to talk to me of like, what's the, one of the pain points for your business? Um, overwhelmingly, like over 70%, really right word for word, finding reliable help. It's like a, I know I like can't even find bad people. Can't even find bad people. <laughs> it's a I continental a problem. I, I agree with you there, John. I can't even can't find bad people. But I mean, but this is, but, but, um, you know, and this actually goes back to our whole conversation that we had, you know, way back when COVID hit of like, it's like, rather than this asking is, your country mm. what it can do for you, but asking what you, can you do for your country? And there, there's a whole demographic of our society right now that I think is about to make a decision to vote for a party because they're essentially they're com comfortable voting themselves money. 
Oh, that's that's why that's why Trudeau is called an election. Why else would you call an election when you think that the majority of the country will actually go, hey, I don't want to well, give up this. Well, because CR- C- CRB is ending as well. Th- no, but think about this. Unless- no, no, yeah, but but there's uh, there's other things that are coming in. I mean, there's tons of things that are coming in. Like, I mean, even even just the the largest uh, pop pop portion of our population is baby boomers that are just about to retire. And one of their big, one of the big points that the, the Liberal Party has right now is that they're going to increase the guaranteed uh, income for seniors to something like I think it was like nine hundred dollars for se- uh, singles and seven fifty for couples or some or nine hundred nine hundred for couples seven fifty for singles, but effectively right now where we're at in 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 Canadian politics is that you can vote yourself money in the provincial the provincial government here in Canada or in BC, John knockoff, John Morgan, John Horgan, you were able to vote yourself. Okay. Um, if you were single, it was $500 or a thousand. If you were a married couple, take in mind, I didn't qualify for this because I made too much money in their eyes. So, and most of these, and most of these are targeted towards lower demographics. So, but where does that money come from? There's only two ways well, there's, there's, you could, you could say three ways, but I, I would consider the last two very similar, but you can either, you can effectively, um, you can print money. Okay. If you're the bank of Canada, you can print money, which is a form of taxation on your citizens. Okay. So you can increase the money, money supply. Doesn't that or, increase inflation or something? Or well, um, it, it can. It can. Okay. Yeah. I mean, just from reading the very little amount of economics that I've read, there's all these theories on inflation, but I don't know if anyone actually knows what the fuck, how it actually happens. <laughs> yeah. I remember watching a really good video about it, but then I couldn't find the video again. No, you can find things that make perfect sense. And then in reality, it doesn't work out that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the thing about economics. There's just too many other factors going yeah. on. Like, like in an, like, like in a very hypothetical, if you just have like a vacuum economy, then it works out a certain yeah. way. Yeah. But most most economic the Keynesian economics is like the is like kind of like the go to right now, and most of their you know theories are just don't pan out really in in reality. But this I don't want to get into the economics of it. I don't I, that's not really my forte. But you print money, you can tax your citizens in various ways, okay. And then you can also a governments technically could have a business that they operate that generates income, okay. Um, you know, uh, like there's government, there's government businesses like ICBC. Now, funny enough, most government businesses end up losing money. <laughs> they don't, most, most of these aren't, aren't profitable businesses. Okay. If anything, usually the government would, ideally the government would step in and take a business that is unpro- like they would take the burden of an unprofitable business. Okay. Um, off of its citizens. I, there's not too many great examples of this, but point being, Anytime that you're voting yourself money, that has to come from somewhere. One of those three things. So I'm guessing you're voting liberal. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so you know what's you know what's so, you know, do you know what's you know do you know what's actually such a joke? Is that I go and read the Conservative Party's platform, and it's it's effectively the same nonsense but just directed towards businesses. What do you mean? 
because I don't follow any of this. And I don't, part Basically, of me doesn't even care, but if, like, if, maybe I should. I mean, I mean, this is a very, this is a big generalization. And, and I understand that, you know, this is, you know, so take in mind, there's much more nuanced to everything I'm saying, but in, in a very general, just gist, if you're an individual and you want to vote yourself money, vote liberal. If you're a business owner and you want to vote yourself money, vote conservative. What else? That's effectively what we have right now. Is there oh, another option? You, you, there's Green Party. Um, and then there's NDP. Yeah. Okay. And what do they offer? What happens and if you then vote for them? There's also another party <laughs> that no one's talking about called the PPC, People's Party of Canada. And what is that? The most common sense. Okay. Tell me. I don't watch the news. I don't, I don't, I didn't, I don't even know when the election is. Like, I'm just so sheltered from this stuff because I find it mostly like, in inevitable it's all the same i think the whole system's just broken but anyways you kind of kind of it can kind of definitely feel like that right like it, it like do you like do you guys actually feel like as a as, as a citizen do you actually feel like you um have much like legitimate input on no. yeah no no after a political science degree and four years studying, you know, the, in, the ins and outs of the Canadian government. And the reason I got into it, because one of my goals was to be influential and maybe one day be prime minister. I quickly realized, and I think it was in the middle of my third year in university, that if you truly want to have a difference in the country, you should just be a successful businessman because money votes way better than an individual. Yeah, I, uh, I agree is why i pursued student works because i saw learning because i used to be like a volunteer for different political parties because i'm like okay let me, let me try and see if i can climb the ranks but then i'm like no nope, i think i should be a businessman um if i actually want to have any positive outcome but i don't know like what what are your thoughts austin well all I know is that, I, I mean, I feel like I was actually going to chime in earlier, but I didn't want to interrupt this discussion about the the, the election. We're slowly turning into a, a political podcast here. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, uh, we'll talk about trains. This, this, is, <laughs> yeah. this is the one-off, you know. What's better, our, our take on politics or trains? Uh, let us know. <laughs> no, I, I think that, well, I'll start with this. Today, I went for brunch with some friends, actually, one of which was Griffin Milks, who's been on the podcast twice. And uh, we went to a, a restaurant that's actually a franchise. And uh, it was like a breakfast, lunch place. And we sat down and I am not kidding you. It took us one hour and 45 minutes from when we ordered our food. to No get food. way. No way. I that's wish I was lying. I wish that's I was movie. lying. movie. One hour, 45 minutes. Now, everyone at the table, business owners. Okay. So we were, we, while, while this was going on, we could see literally this establishment falling apart. There was, I'm going to say 60 people in this, like it was a bigger room. There was like kind of hard to imagine. It was like super spaced out. Everyone is kind of just like, what the fuck? You know, like it wasn't going well. People were always late getting their food. Like it wasn't just us. It was a common okay, thing. Okay, 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 okay. There was maybe three servers. 
there was like two people in the kitchen and they, the amount of time they said, Hey, we're understaffed, we're understaffed, we're understaffed. We're so sorry. We're so sorry. We saw people, all different sorts of reactions, right? People that don't say anything, people Mm -hmm. that throw a fit, people Mm -hmm. that lose their mind, people Mm -hmm. that think that they're not being rude, but they're totally being rude and like Mm -hmm. making a scene. The reality is the people that are there working have no, they are the ones doing the thing that is right. In my opinion, right? They're the ones going, Hey, I could, they're, they're a wait, they're a waiter at a breakfast franchise. Okay. You could easily figure it a way to qualify for serve and not end up working hands down. Right. Like that, that is a fact. If you are smart enough, you could figure out a way to not work and just take the government's money. These people are not doing it. And so no, to no, see no, no. Sorry, people- just clarify, I want to interject, not government's money. It's literally our money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sorry. Taking our money. So, no, no, so it's, it's actually worse. It's, it's your parents' money. It's your yeah. best friend's money. It's, it's your customer's money. It's everyone's money. It's yeah. your money. Yeah. You're taking money, your money from your own money. So, so, but my point, my point's actually much longer than this. It's that first of all, the people that are working in businesses that are struggled to finding, finding work workers, employees, um, the people that are on the ground dealing with clients and customers not the people you're going to want to lose your mind at. The people you're going to want to lose your mind at is, lo and behold, coming back to the political discussion, the people that are setting up a structure for local businesses that are actually trying to drive growth in the economy to be competing with government subsidization. The fact that I, and I actually came really present to this the other day because it's August, like just this time of the year, uh, there's a bunch of birthdays in my family, a lot of celebration going on in late August. There's like, six people with birthdays in my family within 10 days. We got the student works banquet. We got X, Y, Z. I've been going out to eat a lot. It is everywhere, everywhere. This is not just the little breakfast franchise I was at. This is like restaurants I've been to any service, any, any company that you're hiring or going to that is a dine-in retail or service business is struggling to find people to work. The fact that we are alive during a time where as a business owner, I am competing against the government who I pay tax to, to subsidize people to stay at home is absolutely fucking insane. That, that in my opinion is insane. And I don't think that we talk about it enough. Like how insane that really is. Like you are handicapping. Also, let's, let's also just mention too, that they're borrowing money in order to do that. I know. But like it wasn't like we had some like massive reserve. It wasn't like, hey, you know what, everyone? But here's you know what? Let's just settle down here. We have we we've been so productive and we've been so frugal and we've been living such a modest lifestyle for so long. We're just going to spend this reserve capital. No, that's not at all what happened. Let's just take our debt and let's bring it past two trillion dollars. So twenty six thousand dollars for every baby. Well, I mean, bond holders. Oh, okay. Whoever owns the bonds, right? So, I mean, anyone that owns Canadian bonds. Got it. And on top of it, too. Um, yeah, I mean, effectively bond holders. I mean, that's, so I that's get- the debt portion of it. But I mean, the but but also the printing of money. You, we're all paying for it. I mean, like like your dollar is no longer like it's it's not it's not worth the same anymore. Yeah, yeah. I want to get back to this because. Serb has Serb and any individual income subsidization has been around for long enough that, you know, have any of you asked the question, what will come of this? What are the trickle down impacts of this? Well, universal basic income. No, well, it started. No, no, no. Well, that, that's, that's like the continuation of where this will go possibly. 
but I'm saying the long-term impact Oh, like what's four on- steps down? No, no, Four I'm steps saying- down is, I mean, in a, in a very like, we just like, we just start tossing shit out there and put our ha- caps on. It's either revolution or communism. Like that's where we're fucking going. <laughs> yeah, like, no, I know, I know, I understand. Let's get real here. Like well, I literally to- read, I literally read the fucking the liberal platform to Trisha, and I and like their slogan was like, like I almost have to read one of their slogans. I was like, that's I'm pretty sure Lenin had the same slogan. Like it was the craziest thing. Okay, liberal. So while John pulls that up, I just wanted to lay out that there is currently businesses that are deciding to shut down now, not because of COVID, but because of not being able to compete with the government. This is absolutely insane. One of my best friends of all time is a very high-skilled cook, chef, okay? This person was is now back on the job market looking for a job not because the restaurant has had low demand or the place that he works at has low demand because the restaurant is not able to operate with the amount of staff that they have on hand like think about that for a second yeah so you want to talk so and, and that's what john pointed out on his trip to uh you know, wherever he went to, it's like, there's now businesses shutting down, not because of COVID. million Canadians as of like this a couple months ago. I mean, it might even, it might still be the same on some sort of CERB related thing. That's as many employees as Walmart employees globally. Okay. So that's fucked. Yeah, but John, that's fucked. I just, can you acknowledge what I'm saying here for one second? This you know, is I, not, I, I am. I'm, no, no, I'm, this, I, is I, not, I this is not, this is not CERB. Yeah, sorry, I don't know why I said like I guess you're saying, related. I'm saying. I said CERB related. But businesses were failing. Remember when businesses were going out of business because there was no demand and they had to shut down and et cetera, et cetera. Now they're actually have extreme demand. Like oh no, sorry. People- I, I actually Austin, I don't actually recall when there's no demand. I recall being told I couldn't fucking leave my house. No, I'm saying that there was I remember certain, being a lot told of the restaurant. I can't go patronize a business and that business can't serve me. That's what I remember. I, I understand. I, I don't remember. I, I don't remember ever feeling I didn't want to go to a restaurant. Okay, so and that might be called the, lack the of demand. freedom. No, no, no. Well, okay. Well, we don't have to get into lack no, of but, freedom. No, but really, like how free is that? No, but hundred percent. That, well, that's I totally don't. I don't necessarily freedom. disagree with like limiting human traffic during a time of uncertainty before we knew what this virus really was. And I don't think that lockdowns work after two years. Yeah, but, do you, really think if, but do you think it's the government's position to tell us what we can do as citizens, where we, where we can walk, where we can't walk? I think during a state of emergency, it makes sense. But when the state of emergency prolongs for longer than like four months, it starts to get a little bit old and people disobey anything that any government says. The point I'm trying to make, John, is actually not to go down Hmm. that rabbit hole. It's actually to say whatever caused certain businesses to shut down between March 2020 and July 2020, in my opinion, are legitimate actual issues caused by covid shutting businesses down like the virus being present no and governments and, and governments actually saying look we don't know what this thing is yet we need to lock down the country so that we understand why like what's spreading it how it's spreading how toxic it is or how you know what its survival rate is etc let's actually figure this out anything after august 2020 in my opinion has been a complete wash in how we're dealing with this virus for sure but my my, my actual point i'm trying to make is that it's no longer the virus. And I get that your timeline of when that took over, John, could have been March 
14th, the day after COVID started. I, I, that's your opinion entirely. The only point I'm trying to make here is that we are no longer fighting the virus, right? Like it's very clear. The virus is obviously going to still be here. It's not going anywhere. Okay. Like we have to live in a new world where there are regulations on how many people can be in enclosed spaces, wear masks, et cetera. Fine. Let's live with that. But the fact that we're actually competing with the government to subsidize income for people that is now actually the main thing shutting down businesses is ludicrous. And I don't think enough people understand the impact that, that, that CERB as a result of COVID is having on these local businesses because it's no longer COVID on businesses. It's government versus businesses. Like it's actually insane. But John, the one thing I wanted to point out is that we are lucky enough and same with you, Amr, we are lucky enough to be in a, in a market where if we are faced with a labor shortage and we want to actually pay our employees more money, we can actually go sell work at a higher price. Because of supply and demand, of course, yes. A hundred percent. Now here's the problem with the restaurant industry and the hotel industry, and it doesn't work. Your margins are already razor thin. You can't just raise your prices. Nobody will come to dine with you. And you're, you're, you're handcuffed. Like, what are you going to do? Start charging $16 for a beer? No, nobody will come to your bar. So you imagine that dollars for a salad ability to actually achieve prosperity is limited by the government like that like that, that in of itself that like, so is yeah no what, that yeah, but is the at what point did we <laughs> at what point did we allow it to get to the point where the government is is a is no longer a referee but actually a, a major player in all of our markets i think that's happened so, in history before john please remind me of when that oh when that believe happened. me there's so yeah. many times this has happened yeah, yeah no when's but, okay, the last so, time that happened and it also sounds like the liberal party wants to actually become like wants to get into, involved in the construction business, which, I mean, I could only <laughs> fucking imagine. Like, Wait, hold on. What are you talking about? Okay, like, I, I, I have to read this because it, like, when I, like, when I read this, I, it, I was, like, I was so speechless. <laughs> I didn't even cry. You look speechless. I, I Sorry, now. I thought it was a fucking joke. Like, I, I actually was, like, I was confused. Like, I thought maybe I was reading, like, uh, a, like a satire. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, okay? Like a hidden camera show. Word for word, just, cause, just so I don't put any words in anyone's mouth. This is this is an go, actual, go, go. from the Liberal Party's platform, a home for everyone. Okay. Okay. Sure. All Canadians deserve a safe and affordable place to call home, and many seeing owning a home as key to building their future and joining the middle class. I'm not even going to try and I'm not even gonna try and hit points. Here. <laughs> just, read, just, just read, just read, just read. With <laughs> rent increasing, lyrics. with rent increasing and housing prices continuing to rise, many young Canadians don't see a clear path to affording the same lives their parents had. That's why our plan will help to ensure that whatever situation or stage of life you are in, a place to call home will be within reach for everyone. A re-elected Liberal government will move forward with a three-part housing plan. A home for everyone will, and a home for everyone's their slogan, by the way. Okay. One, the, it will yeah. unlock home ownership. Liberals will help save a family by buying their first home up to 30,000. They're what, what matching, they're going to be matching people's down payments. So up to 10% of your house, up to 30 grand, the government will purchase for you. So the government oh, wow. will become a homeowner. Oh. Oh, that's kind of cool. Okay. 
Yeah. So the government's already going to start owning all of our, yeah. our homes. Okay. Build more homes. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Are they, but they're not going to own it. They're just going to give it to you. Yes. Right? Like, no, sir. no, 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 no. The government will literally own. So when you go to sell, they'll get 10% of the house. Fuck off. I'm not even fucking. No, no, no. There's I'm no way that's actually with the... you. I'm not. No, I'm not even fucking. How sure you. are you that they will actually own your house? Yeah, this has been around for a while. This wasn't even like a new thing. That like, yeah, this, it's like, like you owe the bank and dude. The I thought it was just subsidization, like serve and shit. Like you know, nah, man. Oh my god, people are gonna have the government on their D. No commentary. House. No commentary. Yeah, we're no commentary read. here. Just, okay, just build read. more homes. Liberals will build, preserve, <laughs> or repair an additional <laughs> 1.4 million homes in four what? years. Sorry, oh, I didn't mean to laugh there. I, I just dude, we're talking about. I don't know. 400,000 homes or three, yeah, 350,000 homes a year. Dude, since when, like, like, look up that, like, who's the largest home builder in the United States? I don't even think they probably build that many fucking homes. That's a thousand homes a day, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. Dude, what? Dude, the government can't even what, run wait, hold on, hold on. What's a profitable insurance What's business. How the what? fuck do we think they're going to run a profitable construction business? What's number three? I don't think they're actually going to run a construction business. I think Dude. they're actually saying like, like imagine seeing like guys building a house, like from the liberal party. Like that's just, why I laughed. Cause well, that, that's why you'll, you'll know, you'll know which ones the liberals are building. Cause there'll be like 50 people more than they need. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Dude. okay. okay. Hold on. Hold on. Relax. Yeah. Everybody relax. Okay. Okay. Protect your rights. Liberals will create a home buyer's bill of rights to make the process of buying a home fairer, more open and transparent effectively what they're going to try and do is you can't do blind bidding anymore. So you have to like actually see the house before you buy it. Okay. How does that help? Yeah. It, it supposedly it makes it more fair because then you can't have people just like overseas just, yeah, just bidding on it. Oh my God. Okay. Young Canadians aren't asking for a free house. They're asking for a fair shot. If we're going to build a better Canada for everyone, then the debt can't continue to be stacked against young Canadians. Okay. Since when was homeowner like, like, like someone just needs to just quickly just give a quick rundown on investing here. You like, there's not everything is worth buying at every price. Okay. I like, exactly. Why do people like, need to be, I don't like, understand when someone's like homeowners are too expensive. Great. Don't fucking buy one. What, what do you mean? Yeah, I know. Someone's like, Oh, it needs to be more affordable. Why? Man, there's it's, this um, there's this the rant market by will literally decide a price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know why I know it's how? how do you know why I know housing's not too expensive? Because people are still fucking buying. For every buyer, there's a seller. It's not like some magical thing where someone's buying and there's no one selling the house. Mm -hmm. Like when I say that Tesla is too expensive for me to buy it, guess what? The only way that it drops is if someone sells at a lower price or buys, or if you you know, so. The price is never too high if people are buying. So if you're not willing to pay that, so when someone says home, like when, when, when the liberals say the home market is too expensive, they're saying that they would prefer it's lower. That's what they're actually saying. It's not too expensive. I think that what could be like a very plausible explanation as to why because look, we are all, I think, John, you were the only one that owns a property that you live in. Like, 
Yeah, there's two and people I bought on this. a condo. No, I know, but I'm, what I'm trying match. to say is there's two people in this conversation right now that choose to not live in a house that they own. And the reason it's too expensive. Is, yeah, well, the opportunity cost of our money is better spent elsewhere. So it's yeah, like, but, but what I'm saying is it's possible that it's shifting that owning a house that you live in is now going to make more sense, not as a young person, right? Like earlier in your, and that, and that, that, that transition might, might be the reason why I'm not sure, but it's like, okay, like that's at some be... point in time, it was advantageous to buy a house and it appreciated in value. And that's where you got rich. Okay. And, and I'll tell you what, very people actually legitimately got rich off of that. Yeah. Okay. Like it's, it's pretty rare that you meet someone who got rich off a of primary residence. They didn't, it's not really, yeah. it's not, it's not nearly <laughs> as it's this American dream story that you actually hear about, but like it's this part here in, in, in the thing they say many see owning a home as key to building their future and joining the middle class. Okay, great. Some people think that doing heroin is a good idea. Like what, like, why are we supposed so just because someone sees something as a clear, like a good path, they're fucking wrong in some cases. Not every, like, just because you want to own a house doesn't mean that you just have the right to own a house. Like, why is that? Like, all Canadians deserve a safe and affordable place to call home. Maybe. No, I, 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 don't, I don't know every Canadian, but I, I could definitely see some people's decisions leaving, leaving them in a place where they actually don't deserve a safe and affordable place to live. There's many decisions you could make that would leave you into a place where you wouldn't actually deserve that. So I actually, when I hear that copy, okay. And here's, here's what I hear because as like, as a marketer, I've actually ran into this, this problem. There's two ways you can do it. You can actually have your own goals, visions, and values that you will just hold true and you will put forth to attract the right people. And then there's another way you can take a shortcut, which is you study the market and you look for the biggest pains that exist. And if I'm running a political party, I'm looking at who's my ideal voter that I can capture, what are their biggest pains, and how can I craft a solution to get that pain? That copy you just read, John, is actually, it's written in a framework that's very well known in the marketing and the advertising world. It's called the IDA framework, okay? And it's A-I-D-A. And the way it works is pretty simple. There's four parts. A is attention, I is interest, D is desire, and A is action. That entire copy that you just read is literally made to just sell somebody on voting. So like, this is why I kind of lost hope in politics, because at the end of the day, every political party kind of shapeshifts into a platform to absorb a new vote, which just like is... You just, there's no foundation. I disagree, though. There is, there like the People's Party of Canada. If you read their platform, you can disagree with certain points, but they're not. There's no, there's no bullshit, like phrasing of anything. I mean, it's it's extremely straightforward. I was only, I was only commenting on what you just read. I have, I, I wasn't okay, talking, yeah, okay, I wasn't enough, talking yeah. about. I don't know what they're. I'm just saying, like as a marketer, when you're reading that copy, that's like what I'm picking up on. It's like it's a very classic marketing structure that they've used and i don't blame them because what do they want they don't want money they want to vote so obviously you're going to build well that's exactly it it seems like at some point we you know uh 
like government went from just being like, okay, guys, like we, we have to have like, we, you know, we'll get around. We'll just make sure that, you know, everything's kind of running well. Okay. They, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll have some small departments that the government can handle because like, you know, we, we could, we could understand why, you know, there could be conflicts of interest. Like for example, like fire department, police, like you could see why maybe that being privatized, there, there could be some major conflicts of interest there. Okay. And there's going to be some cost associated with having a very, you know, some of these things, you know, or, Hey, you know what, we want to have this. Right. But the point when it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay. Eventually it got to the point where politicians were no longer saying, Hey, like, what do we actually need to do to just like keep government as small as possible and yeah. just keep this simple. Okay. It started being, how do I win? How do I get yeah. more votes? Yeah. How do I get more yeah. power? Right. And that's what I'm just sort of seeing. And it's just, it's so disgusting to see these political platforms where it's so just clear cut. Like there's no even hiding it at this point. It's essentially vote for us. And here's the direct financial benefit to you. And it, and, and it occurred to me while reading these platforms that most people that are reading that, I don't think would actually see it that way. Like there's this, there's a, oh, this, there's this massive disconnect to, as to where the, like where the Canadian government actually gets their money and how they do it. Like there's such a massive, like the fact that like it, the, people think it's okay to actually just take money from one individual's pocket and put it into their own. That's fucked up. Like it's, 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 a, it's essentially legal theft. I mean, I, I mean, that's exactly, that, that, yeah. no, but that's exactly how I view it. Yeah. Is it really for the betterment of the country that we, that we put, put more and more people in a dependent state on the government? What, like, when is that ever, a, why would that be ever be a successful move in any business or anything that like you, that's like. Well, but here's the question that I usually, this is why I'm always like not interested in politics. And I'm just going to ask you it, John, what are you going to do about it? Well, it's exactly what we talked about on the, on the podcast last time. I think that all you, I think all you can do um, is start a successful business yeah. and adapt, essentially adapt. Um, but you can also you can, you can leave situations as well. I think that you, I mean, that's, I was about to say, you can leave the country. You can effectively leave with your, with your feet. You yeah. can move to places that are, you know, more free. Yeah. I, I remember telling, like I had this conversation with another business owner and I was like, you know, you can just like, if you really hate Canada and the government, what they're doing, you know, you can just leave. Like you're not tied here. Right. But yeah, man. Interesting time to be living in. I mean, I know one thing. It's just like, specifically with what Ray Dalio is is also writing about, is there's going to be a massive power shift between you know the the U.S. and China over time, and all this money that's coming in. It's like there's also an inevitable recession. It's like where, where the, the the real question is like where are you going to be? What are you going to be doing? And how are you going to be prepared? And that's honestly the best you can hope for in a logical manner when you're kind of, when I ever, when I, when I, and anytime I visit these topics, that's kind of what's going through my head. And the cool thing about the Austin, Texas trip 
And the reason I want to spend a month there is I want to kind of play with the idea of what does it look like to maybe live in the U.S.? Like, what if I live like six months there, six months here? Well, it's especially fascinating if you think about it, because the entire model of these governments is based on that there's people that are productive and, and a portion of that productivity goes to the people that are not productive or less productive. So the entire assumption is that these people that are highly productive will continue to be motivated to be productive. Within the same country. Let me ask you this. How many people, like, I mean, we're most likely the most, I mean, like, we're, we're definitely in the top percentile of individuals in our age bracket in productivity. Sure. Okay. Most of the people that I know that are in this percentile of productivity, we're all considering moving to the States. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Yeah. So the entire, like, so think about like, if like, you know how, like in, in, when you have your business, you have like your original employees, you know, your second year, third year, fourth year, you know, you have all these different people are in all different stages. Imagine if everyone that's just getting to become like, you know, all the people that had maybe just finishing their first month, imagine all of them are like, yeah, we're all going to quit. Oh yeah. Like, so like you're, you know, like, cause you have, you have all these people that are moving into retirement. So moving into a they're no longer they're, they're going to cease to be productive you know for the most part okay they may own assets but the productivity of those assets are based on the next generation of people filling the spots in those assets whether it be small businesses or you know any position that these people retire out of someone has to fill that right but all of the most productive people i know we're all considering moving the fuck away <laughs> yeah and take in mind, I'm coming from like, I think I live in like maybe the second most free province in the country. I think Alberta probably the most. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, John, this is where you come in. I mean, history books will tell you what's going to happen next. I mean, you know, I think the the well, worst yeah, thing we totally. can do is treat this as this, this something new or radical. I mean, this is no, it's, it's not really. No, yeah. like most, most of the time, like you see like political cycles like this, like, so you have um, uh, a democracy and, and democracies tend to devolve over time. I mean, because take in mind, this, 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 this period can be drastically different. There's not like a cycle here or anything like that, like a, like a preordained time. Like the Roman Republic lasted, I think, 500 years. So, oh, wow. right. Whereas some devolved instantly, right? Um, so, but uh, democracies devolve into chaos, and then through chaos, typically a um, a uh, like a, a notable person of power will rise and see and, and take control during that vacuum. Okay? The Leviathan. Yeah, sure. And and then and this and this person typically is is a monarch. Okay, like yeah. you know because they're they're like everyone looks up to them like they're the king, they're the lord. Okay. Um, and then monarchs eventually, because, you know, then it's like hereditary. Okay. It, it can, then they can turn into a tyrant. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then from tyranny, usually it's like, fuck this. We got to get rid of this dictator. Okay. Oligarchy. And then either another monarch comes in and then it devolves to tyrant tyranny and it, and it gets stuck in that cycle. But then eventually the tyranny can get replaced with a group of individuals. Okay. Which is called a um, uh, an aristocrat, aristocrat, yeah, aristocrats. Okay, so this is like a like a, a group of individuals that have been chosen as like a committee, essentially. Okay, isn't that what a bureaucracy from, is? Yep, yeah, yeah, but that can devolve into an oligarchy, which is yes. when, yeah, which again is becomes hereditary. 
Uh, yes. You know, yeah, yeah. This is sort of maybe what Russia's in right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know anything about Russia, anyways. No, I know, but if you can just follow the Russian Revolution, you can kind of see how that that came that came through. Okay, but either way, and then from an, uh, an aristocrat, uh, then it, then it would become a democracy because they say fuck this. Like, what's after democracy? People, chaos, and then chaos. tyrant. Yeah. And then, Wait, yeah. really? After democracy is chaos. Well, democracies, yeah. Well, because we, again, I mean, this is this is <laughs> this is a generalization to the max, but just just from if you read history. Demo- the, the reason why democracies tend to fail over time is because you have too many, uh, how do I put this? Like the, the problem with when, when, every, when, when, when everyone is voting on something, it evolves into exactly what's happening now, which is that people start voting themselves money. They start voting. So you have one class of people that start voting themselves uh, privileges and subsidies and and uh, you know, in any different way, okay, or form of taxation, they tax the few to benefit the many, and it always is going to devolve to that. Yeah, the 80-20, 2080. And, and and I mean, Ray Dalio talks about this in his book too, right? It's like effectively you have two different classes of people, okay? And this is this is this explains wealth inequality in in a, in a very again, this is a very general thing, okay? So this is not meant to be nuanced. You have two types of in a very general sense, you have two types of people. You got people who own assets and you have people who don't. <laughs> okay. The former has always been richer than the latter. Always. Okay. There's, there's almost never been a time in history that I can, I mean, I, I would challenge anyone to think of a time where the people who owned assets were poorer than the people who didn't. It's just never, it's just never yeah. happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the thing with owning assets is that the assets produce income and then you know, if, if I have more assets than you do, eventually my assets, I'll be able to buy your assets. And so eventually there's become some sort of inequality in that sense. Okay. Hmm. And if all of a sudden now you can start voting yourselves, what, so rather than earning it, rather than getting, you know, deserving what you, yeah, you can just vote it your way. Yeah. yeah. Because the few that own are almost always going to be outnumbered by the many that have nothing. Why work hard for it when you can just vote it your way? Well, let's see what happens, man. This is this is an exciting, exciting place to be in. And one of the advantages of working hard and having a business and cash reserves and saving and investing in real estate is that it makes us all kind of liquid and makes us mobile. We're young. We don't have families, mortgages, or anything like that. I mean... If you're listening to this, you're probably part of that group as well. So we're kind of the fortunate ones. We're mobile. That's pretty, you know, it's kind of a blessing. That's kind of what I'm coming to terms with that I'm pretty grateful for. So, so that was pretty whack. Want to read us some wise? Oh, yes. <laughs> we're just not even going to play a song this week. What, what do you think John... about Austin? Do, do, yeah. like, do you agree with, with what I'm saying? I think that uh, hmm. I think there's a lot of a lot of accurate lines that you're drawing between kind of what seems like a dystopian future that's ahead of us. That you know, dystopia dystopia is a bit interesting because it's it's something that is on the surface so so dark and so scary but is so likely and achievable like that's the way dystopia kind of creeps up on you 
And so the thing with dystopia is that a lot of people don't really like admitting that it's a, that it's a reality or that it could happen or that, that it's bound to happen. And I think that the first step of any argument that's to be had here is just the fact of one mindset of individual uh, accepting that the opposite can also be true. And I mean that both for and against you, John, like, I think that anyone that would sit here and argue you on your points wouldn't be open to admitting that the points that you've made have, have like very logical and reasonable background to them. Whereas I don't know. And, 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 and I don't know if you would be able to admit that anything that you said was also inadvertently possibly incorrect or not. Well, here's the reason why I disagree with you though. I'm just saying the basis of any, any no, no, but, no, but, but I have the, this. I have the most simple explanation as to why I think that's false. Okay. Just, just that way of thinking is false or just the opposite? No, no, because okay. I mean, my attempt is that I try and come to my conclusions through rationality and reason. I'm not trying to say what's in my best interest. Okay. The government printing money has done wonders for my portfolio. Them keeping interest artificially low has done wonders for my portfolio. I have accepted, I took a $60,000 government loan that I only have to pay back 40,000 of it. I fully qualified for it in the most bullshit way. I invested like, like, so like I'm benefiting from this tremendously and I'm saying it's bullshit. I'm not, I'm not coming here saying that I'm being harmed. I'm saying like, I always say to my girl, like I always say this when I'm playing board games, you can always, or I even say this to my clients, you can always trust the guy mm-hmm. who's telling you to do something that's not in his best interest. Like when I tell a client not to do a second coat on something because they don't need it, I'm like, look at, I would make more money if we did a second coat. I'm not telling you this because there's some secret motive. No, no, I'm, I'm trying to help you here. So if I've come to my conclusions, what through, through, I mean, now everyone says this. So, I mean, this is take this with a grain of salt, but mo- I think if you ask most people, they say, oh, I come through reason, whatever. Okay. When I'm reading history, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to look through it through a right wing phase or left wing thing. I read, I read about Teddy Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt. I read about the right wing businessman. I, I, I'm not, I don't care about that. Like I'm trying to find out what I think is the truth. What I think is the right for its citizens. You know, what, what gives, basically what gives us the most freedom? What gives us the most liberty? Right. What is the best for the country? That's what I try and think about. Whereas I don't know if most people, that's where, the, that's where they can come from. So I, like, so if someone was able to prove me wrong it's because they were able to bring more reason and I would be, and I would be more than glad to be wrong because I would want to seek the mm-hmm. truth. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people are coming from a place of scarcity. They're scared. They're, they're not used to actually earning what, what they kill. Like they're not, they're not used to killing what they eat. And I think they're voting because they're, they, they, they want the government to save them. They feel entitled to something. Someone else has something they don't have it and they want it. And they're going to vote it to themselves. Or they're going to try to. Little do they know, it's not. It doesn't work that way, and it never has. That's why I disagree with you, because of that point. I'm not trying to have my side win. I don't have a side. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's I, not like I, I it's think not that, like. No, no, I, I, I'm not. I'm not taking this personally at all. Um, and it seems like the ideas that you're presenting have had. Like uh, John, I'm I'm in the exact same position as you, right? Like, 
grossly benefited me, of course, except for this labor shortage. And the slippery slope of where we're going is not somewhere I want to be. Um, I would even disagree. I think the labor shortage might be the best thing that happens to us next year. Because unlike a lot of our competitors, we are fully systemized in order to onboard and successfully train people that have no skill mm -hmm. in what we do. Mm -hmm. Again, if they don't solve the labor shortage, I think that I will jack up my rates like crazy because there's a, there's a limited supply and there's going to be, you know, maybe some demand and I'll be maybe the one of the few contractors in town that is used to having zero employees at the beginning of the year and going up to 10. Mm -hmm. Most of my competitors are not in that position. Very good point. They never have been and they, and they, and they may never be unless they hire Ammer in a position to actually successfully train their staff. Mm -hmm. So again, I'm not saying this is my best interest. I'm saying this because I don't think it's right. I'm saying, I think it's, 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 yeah. I totally get it. Yeah. Where, where I usually get stuck, it's like, uh, I keep getting stuck on what's the point. Like, like what's the, even the point of even talking about this? That's where I usually get stuck. This is why I zone it's, out. I, but, is that not the by, but is that not the bystander effect? Like no, it, no, I just look at it and it's like, oh, what's the point? Like someone else. Will no, take no, no. If somebody's problem. getting their ass beat, I can actually take an action to directly influence that. I just don't know if any of this actually makes a difference. Well, you can go out to the polls and you can vote for the party, you know, for a party that actually is not doing this nonsense. Well, who do you think, in your opinion, that isn't doing this nonsense? The PPC? Yeah. Oh, OK. But after that, what else can somebody do? Other than voting. Sure, I mean, you can try and spread the good word, but what else? Other than trying to focus on yourself to run a great well, business. Well, I mean, eventually, effectively, I mean, I mean, this is so extreme, but I mean, I, I mean, eventually, um, there could just actually be a revolution. Okay, but that's kind of like a... That's also another thing that's just going to happen. I mean, you, can, you know, I don't know how many people can single-handedly start a revolution, but I, I don't know either. But I'm saying like that's that 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 is something that that is on the table, though. Yeah. So the takeaway is do some research before you vote, and think about the second order and third order consequences of that decision. Is what you're saying? Because I'm trying to package this up in a way that I can actually like understand and care. It, not understand. I do understand, but just like actually care about. Because I maybe I get this happens all the time. Like after uh, my degree and after going through university, like something in me just like anything political related, my brain just turns off. I'm like, and I automatically go into none of this matters. Just do your research. Vote to the party that is gonna least screw you. Move on. Focus on yourself and your family make some money and uh, yeah, try to be mobile. That's not like, that's, I don't, I don't know anything else matters. Well, I, th I think that, yeah, I think that you hit it on the nail. I mean, I think ultimately, you know, the, the best we can do is we can improve ourselves. We can, we can um, get better habits. You know, we, we can become better physically. We can become better mentally, right? So we can start exercising. We can start actually reading history. We can educate ourselves that way. Okay. When we're operating our businesses, 
we can uh, try and just run more, you know, just businesses with more freedom, give people the opportunity to actually improve themselves. Like, like what we're doing. I mean, that's all we really yeah, can do. Exactly. Is that, that's what we have the most control on. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But I also, I, I also do think that there is a certain aspect and, and this is like a sort of a part of a duty as a citizen is to not actually allow these things to just necessarily just go unspoken. Mm, makes sense. Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to come on here every week and just do a huge rant, but I mean, no, no, not at all. But yeah. But, I never consider that a duty. That's why personally. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, but I, I felt it was my duty to, mm. to, to say the things I said during COVID as well. Mm. Right. And I feel like it's my duty now to just remind our, you know, just to remind everyone that's listening to this and, and including you oh, too. Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. Because I think that everyone listening to this podcast, including you two, have a ton of influence in the people in their lives. You guys are most likely the most influential friend that you have. You know, like you're the one that everyone looks up to. And I think that to just have an attitude of like, we, we're higher up on Maslow's hierarchy, you know, or uh, hierarchy of needs than most individuals. Like for us to not educate ourselves and read history and understand where we're at with things, I think is, is, uh, is, uh, um, I, I, I just don't like, I, I, to me, it's a waste of a great opportunity. Like think about all of the blessings in your life that have, that have put you in a situation where you actually have the capabilities of educating yourself and we're just choosing not to. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. That's like a, yeah, I can agree with that. Like out of all of your friends, you should be the one that at least has the opportunity to say, you know what? I don't think this is good leadership. I think I agree with that. I mean, even the way that we pay our employees, that in my opinion is, is, a, is, is a way that we can change things is getting people on a piece rate system. Mm. I don't take the productivity from my best and put it on my worst. Everyone gets the kill or eat what they get. By the way, you should, you should find this interesting. The piece rate system overall in the contracting industry is like one of the most hated and misunderstood like things ever. And if it's poorly, like a piece rate system, if poorly executed, can be way, way, way worse than an hourly. But it's one of those things that you, if you do properly and you educate people on it, um, that's one thing I learned, like just talking to so many different people, the piece rate system is like, to us, it's such a simple thing because we came with it from day one, but the piece rate system is freaking like. Like I'm, I'm teaching that in the program and people are like, wait, like this is, there's no way this makes any sense. The math doesn't add up. How you make sure you're, this is accurate. How do you convince people? It's like, yeah. What do hey, you, you want to do a very quick whack versus wise? Uh, yeah, sure, man. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you guys know, but you know, Kanye dropped uh, Donda today. So I'm going to do a little today today so we're gonna do one of his songs it's an absolute banger all right here we go this is off the grid by kanye west i'll skip uh look what he did 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 we off the grid 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 why is the video black? It is. I'm off the grid. Got tattoos on my ribs. Tattoos on my ribs. I just tatted my kids. I just do 20 county. We was an honest. 
entire time like the grammarly commercial was in the background it was like just a bunch of these people's like faces like popping up and it, just, it was it was just matched to the music it was ridiculous all right here we go i mean yeah, is there a certain reason why all of his music videos are black though it, the album is black it's just what he chose there's to do. no there's not even any videos released no nothing. there's no title huh no there is a title it's off the grid oh okay yeah, yeah. so um That's insane uh there we go just start from here and i'll tell you where to stop well can you highlight it because it, it helps me like with my sure, yeah. okay my mind smarter my grind harder skr my car quicker skr i met her in church she prayed for me she my god sister she my god sister yeah i'm only trusting the people i keep close selling they soul for a repost remember when i was broke wearing cheap coats now it's diamonds and houses and C notes. Uh, I'm feeling marvelous. I'm feeling marvelous. Who let the monster loose? Who let the monster loose? Huh? They call me a product of my environment. Huh? I tell them, nah, I'm what God produced. Bow, wow. Defense good and them guards can shoot. Bow. And I put them on you. It's hard to move. Tattoo in my face is the mark of truth. Dude, I don't understand the lyrics at all. <laughs> <laughs> Whack. <laughs> I mean, what would yeah, that is amazing. This might be one of my favorite ones. So this is from Sam Harris. No, let's go. Many of us spend our days locked into a mild state of anxiety and annoyance at all the problems we have to solve, both minor and major. Should I quit my job or stick it out? What should I make for dinner tonight? How am I ever going to find the right relationship? Our attention narrows, our world contracts, and we convince ourselves that solving these problems will lead to an, a lasting state of happiness and freedom. This, of course, is a fantasy. Meditation shows you that happiness and freedom aren't earned by solving your apparent problems, which are endless. Rather, happiness and freedom can only ever be the place from which you solve and even enjoy your problems. Put another way, happiness and freedom are not the end goal of anything they are the starting place for everything mm. that is yep. man i could not agree with that more imagine if that was put over a cool beat and wrapped that'd be pretty uh mm. much more valuable so you start from happiness and freedom and you try to stay in happiness and freedom Well, effectively, because you can only actually just live in the present moment, like what we li like, what we live is this moment now, yes, okay? yes. you're not going to live tomorrow, you can't live yesterday, right, you can only live now. To yes. think that you're going to get to a state where everything beyond that is just only happiness and whatever is nonsense, because when you get to that new place, you'll now be where you are now, which is the present. Mm -hmm. Well, so people who don't, you can, that... you can just start 
Yeah, yeah. But people who don't believe that actually end up dying. I mean, that's literally what Viktor Frankl talked about in the camps. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're waiting for happiness and freedom. And then Christmas comes. There's no happiness and oh, freedom. And right. then, they, and then yeah. they choose to smoke the cigarette. And then that's it. Yeah, interesting. Okay, boys. Thanks for what listening to my uh, political rant. I promise that you only get one of those a year. So. <laughs> no, I actually enjoyed it. It didn't get too political, so I appreciate it. All See right. You guys. Thanks for listening. Hey, listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. As usual, you can find us on Instagram at the weekly call pod or through email at the weekly call pod at gmail.com for any questions or comments about any of our material. And just to kind of pick our brain or even challenge us on a few things we said today. The intro and outro music was brought to you today by William Scott Thompson. You can find him on Spotify under that name. He has a lot of other great material on there that you can go listen to as well. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, guys. We'll see you soon.